So parents, I hope you weren't shocked when you got here uh, today to realize that uh, this Sunday we're not having uh, children's worship. So if you weren't aware of that, I'm aware of it. And um, so we will I'll keep that in mind as we uh, work quickly uh, through the sermon this morning. So uh, I don't want you to hate me. So um, and I certainly don't want your kids to hate me. So um, we're going to read in just a, a couple of minutes, Philippians 1, 29 to 30. Uh, it is a, a, a short passage, but it speaks much to us about suffering, particularly uh, the suffering of the persecuted church. And so, um, which is something that probably a lot of us know nothing about. Some of us uh, uh, do. So, um, but before I read that text, let me pray and uh, then we'll jump in. Father, we come to you uh, thanking you today for the witness of your saints who have suffered for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the truth, uh, for the sake of the church. Uh, Lord, teach us uh, how uh, uh, to uh, experience uh, joy in the midst of suffering uh, as uh, we read about in this text. I pray that you would teach us too to understand uh, that that kind of suffering is actually a gift. Um, that's certainly how Paul viewed it. And so I pray by your spirit you would apply that to us this morning. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Philippians 1, 29 to 30, um, this is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So one of the things that is pretty profound about the New Testament is its view of suffering. The New Testament uh, sees suffering uh, as almost universally something not necessarily to be avoided, something not necessarily to, uh, uh, to hate, but actually something in the hand of God that uh, God uses uh, for our good and for his glory. And so it's important for us to, to, as we read this text, as we think about the suffering that Paul's experiencing as he's locked away in prison, and apparently the, the same kind of persecution that the church at Philippi is experiencing. Remember, that church was started uh, sort of from, from prison, uh, started uh, in uh, persecution, and now apparently some years later they still are experiencing persecution. Um, the, the fact is that this this kind of suffering, Paul wants the church in Philippi and us to know uh, that there's something great and glorious in it. Um, something beautiful even uh, that is hard for us to uh, um, really kind of hard for us to uh, comprehend. And what Paul says here in this in this text is that the church in Philippi has been given the gift of faith, right, that has been granted to them to not only believe the gospel, but also uh, to suffer for it. So faith uh, is a gift, but the Bible also tells us that suffering is a gift, especially suffering that comes to us as persecution, right? Um, now, uh, most of us who are native to North America, uh, we, we've had probably very little experience uh, with uh, uh, this kind of thing. Our brothers and sisters from other uh, countries, though, uh, have had uh, very different experiences. We must never forget that living as followers of Christ puts us in a cosmic and spiritual battle here on this earth. Uh, there is and will be suffering for the, tr- for the church 
uh, until he comes. And that's uh, just something that we have to, to recognize. Now, that in, in different times and in different places, persecution waxes and wanes. Some, some places, sometimes it's more serious, more difficult than others. But the fact of the matter is, uh, as long as there have been Christians, as long as there's been a church, uh, there has been persecution. People have resisted that. In the first century, um, Jesus was Lord, not Caesar, and that could get you into all kinds of trouble, right? So our faith ultimately will manifest itself in the way in which we live, the way we talk to people, the way we give, the way we spend, the way we work, all of those sorts of things. And uh, this witness to the gospel is what's causing Paul's suffering and imprisonment and persecution for the church in Philippi. So um, that's a pretty profound thing, right? That you might uh, say something about the gospel. You might say something about Jesus Christ. You might say something about the word of God. And that in this culture, in the first century, it could land you in jail. It could cause you to have no economic, uh, 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 no ability to make any kind of money or anything like that. So uh, this was something that uh, hung heavy uh, over uh, over the New Testament church. But what Paul wants uh, the Philippians and us to see this morning is, is that actually uh, suffering for the gospel is a gift. Next slide. So what are you to do with a faith that not only calls on us to suffer, but that suffering is a privilege uh, something, as our text says, has been granted to us. Um, that's pretty profound, right? I mean, who, who, who if, if someone were to set up a marketing plan uh, for the gospel, would they say, this is the best news you've ever heard, and if you believe it, you might die for it. It might kill you, <laughs> right? That's tip, that, it, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy, right? Uh, but the fact of the matter is, that's exactly uh, uh, the way the New Testament views suffering. I came across this quote this week from Kevin Williamson where it says, Christians take a distinctly radical view of, of, of suffering, that suffering is neither an evil to be evaded nor a punishment handed out routinely like some kind of divine speeding ticket. That's what got my, tick, my, my uh, attention, right? But, but something to be entered into willingly in order to become more godlike and therefore more fully and more perfectly human. Right. So we learn to be grateful not only for the alleviation of suffering, but for the suffering itself. That, too, is a gift. So the Bible is going to address suffering in a couple of different ways. One is that we suffer because of sin. Sometimes we do. Sometimes God is writing us a speeding ticket. Right. But because we have disobeyed and we have to uh, deal with the consequences of the of, uh, and the results of our sin. Right. And it causes suffering sometimes. Um, but there are times where we suffer and it's uh, uh, because God wants us to suffer. Now, that may have may have shocked you. Right. But because we live in a fallen and broken world and because we still wrestle with sin ourselves, sometimes it takes suffering. It takes difficulty uh, to change us. Right. For us to embrace what God has for us, for the for the gospel to become more precious to us. I mean, if you've never lost someone uh, to death that you love, uh, then the resurrection uh as precious as that is, is probably not quite as precious as it would be because you you really need to hope in the fact that death is not the end and that Jesus's resurrection provides that. And so that suffering of grief and death is what kind of it, it, it makes that something uh, 
more powerful to us, right? So the so the reality is, and and it, it, those of you who have suffered, who suffer difficulty, would would be quick to say that uh, in the midst of your suffering, you learn much about grace. You learn much about uh, Christ's work uh, in and for you. Uh, as James says, uh, that we consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its per- perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In other words, uh, suffering leads to very positive spiritual fruit in us, right? But this text speaks more uh, to, specifically to suffering as a way to be in fellowship with first with Jesus and also with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Note what he says here. It's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Right? Now that's, that's something that is, is profound. And unless you've ever really suffered, you don't, you, you probably don't have this, this kind of understanding or this experience of how suffering bonds us in a way, unites us in a way, is a profound way for us to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. Next slide. Um, because our Savior was a suffering servant, when we suffer, we experience fellowship with him, but he too feels our suffering and shares in it with us. Now, a lie that we often believe when we suffer is that Jesus is distant. That he's far away, that somehow or other he is uh, not engaged with us. Because the way we our, our, our mind works is, if Jesus were close to me, he'd do something about this, and I wouldn't be suffering. Uh, my uh, mother-in-law spent the the week with us. She quarantined for two weeks, and Marty drove down and, and got her. And she is she's been here with us this week. And um, Last night, we uh, FaceTimed uh, with my father-in-law, her husband, who's um, very near death. Uh, and um, as, as we were doing that last night, of course, it was a very sad thing for her. Uh, and we prayed after we FaceTimed with him. And one of the things that I prayed for him is he has, he has severe dementia. Uh, he also has COVID. And so he is, he's, he's really sick. But I prayed that God, in the midst of that, by his spirit, would somehow or other comfort Abe. To let Abe, my father-in-law, know that Jesus is with him, that he holds him, that he loves him, that he's caring for him. Even as we can't be there, even as his wife can't be there. Um, And so it is, uh, the good news about that is, is that in those moments of suffering and difficulty, what the scripture tells us is, is that we are in fellowship with Jesus in ways that we probably aren't when we're not suffering. That Jesus is particularly close uh, to those who are suffering. My, the first funeral I ever went to was to my grandfather's funeral, I think when I was seven or eight years old. I have very vague memories of a lot of it, um, mostly of how much I don't like the smell of carnations. But uh, as a kid, that was just overwhelming to me. I'd never, I didn't. I didn't know what a carnation was till I went to his funeral, and I th- hoped I never smelled another one again after that. But what I, the only thing I really remember about it is, is the pastor got up at the beginning of the funeral and said, uh, the Bible says that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Well, Lord, we're brokenhearted. And he just let that hang out there. 
Well, that's the promise of Scripture. It may seem to us like Jesus is distant, but he is closer, nearer to us in our suffering than we even know, right? I came across this uh, this text uh, from uh, Isaiah, which I, I think... Uh, I think I want to memorize uh, it's a pretty profound text, Isaiah 63, 7 and following. I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely. And he became their savior. And then this verse Really is a stick, is, is a great verse. And all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. So there's a sense in which in their affliction, he too was afflicted. And Paul would have known that and he, he would have recognized that because that would have been, that was his experience, right? When Paul is on the road before he, when he saw on his way to Damascus to persecute the Christians there, Jesus knocks him off his horse, right? And, and says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus feels the, the pain of the persecuted church. He feels the pain of those people as if he himself were being persecuted, right? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So Jesus connects with the suffering, particularly the, the suffering church, particularly the saints who suffer for the sake of the gospel in ways that are deep and spiritual and profound. He is especially near to them. And, and that's why Paul wants us and wants the church in Philippi to see that this is a real gift. And that the gift there is something that is, is, is profound, that we experience union with Christ in ways when we suffer that we don't when we're not suffering. Next slide. Um, so, but the suffering also not only binds us to Jesus in a unique way, he also wants us to see that suffering binds us to one another, right? That they are engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So in other words, their, their suffering and Paul's suffering, their persecution and Paul's persecution bonds them together in a fellowship uh, that they wouldn't have if they weren't both experiencing uh, um, persecution, right? Um, and this is a thing that's pretty uh, powerful, right? Uh, I have a son who's in the Army, uh, and uh, uh, he is an Army Ranger, and, you know, he's gung-ho, and he's all of those things. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed about him when he is with his fellows, his friends, they call each other brother. Um, and uh, they love each other like brothers. And these are hard you know, aggressive uh, soldiers. Uh, but they love each other. And part of the reason why they love each other is because they've had the same experience of, of, of suffering, of struggle. They had the same experience of mission. Uh, they're in this together. They, they know what it's like as individuals to do this. They know what it's like to suffer together, to be together, to be in these kind of situations. I mean, the guys that he went to ranger school with, you know, they, they, they just look at each other and they know what it's like. And they know what it was like to crawl around in a swamp when it was 38 degrees, you know. So the same thing is true for the church, right? When, when we suffer, when, when you and I suffer as members of the church, 
Who do we gravitate to to talk to in our suffering? We gravitate to other people who've suffered like that. When we were infertile and we lost a child, we sought out people who had had the same experience. We wanted to hear how the Lord met them, how the Lord provided for them, how they were encouraged and how the Lord healed them and led them and provided for them in the midst of their suffering. Right. So so that there's a there's a fellowship in suffering, particularly if we are suffering together for the sake of the gospel and for the mission of the church that's unique. And so it, 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 it could tear us apart. Right. It could. It could uh, be something that would make us not be united. But what Paul is saying there is, no, look, I, you and I, Philippians, me, we are in fellowship together, not only because we are both in Christ, but because we are both in Christ experiencing persecution. And the reason that for sometimes for some of us, we don't experience this kind of fellowship in the church is we've forgotten that the truth is like uh, like soldiers, like uh, 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 folks involved in, in the military, we are actually in a conflict. We are in a conflict against darkness. We are in a conflict against the flesh. We are in a conflict with uh, the world in rebellion against God. And that conflict is going to flare up at times in, into persecution and into, into difficulty. And it will tempt us to fear and it will tempt us to tear us apart. But what, what Paul says is what, what he really wants to see happen is that this drives the church together in unity. So I came across this uh, uh, baptismal uh, liturgy from the old, old, old Episcopal uh, prayer book. And I thought I just thought this was an interesting thing. You couldn't say this today. And you'll see why there's some language in this that would would. Well, it's just not as inclusive as it should be, but it makes my point. So bear with me. Uh, after you baptize the child, you would say we receive this child into the congregation of Christ's flock and do sign him with the sign of the cross <clears throat> in token hereafter. He shall not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified. What a great thing. You know, I I would. I, uh, I think praying that for our kids when they're baptized, what a profound thing. Not only that they would know Christ, certainly, but there would never be a time where they would not be ashamed to confess the faith of Christ crucified, even if it caused them suffering. Right? And then there's, here's the bad word. And manfully to fight under his banner against sin, the world, and the devil, and to continue as Christ's faithful soldier and servant until his life's end. Right? So, so when we, when we hear that, you know, that may, that may sound terrible to some of you. You might, you might hate the militaristic language. You might hear being called a, a soldier for Christ or whatever. But what Paul says here is, is that they, the church in Philippi, and he are in the same conflict. They are in the same agonizing struggle for the truth of the gospel to be proclaimed even in the face of, of great opposition. And so, you may be thinking, well, what would I do? What would I do if I were persecuted for my faith? What would I do if I lost my job because I said something that out of the word of God that caused offense and got me fired? What would what would um, what would it be like for you to face some sort of difficulty like that? Because you simply lovingly, carefully, not as, not like a jerk, but just in a very humble way, bore witness to, to Christ and it cost you something. It caused you to have to suffer. 
How would you treat your persecutors? How would you engage in conflict with them? Well, my tendency is to think, well, if it's, you know, conflict only has one purpose, and that is to win it, right? I want to win. I hate to lose. I want to win. And usually the shortest uh, distance to winning is hurting your opponent. Except for the church, that given the joy and the gift of suffering, recognizes that what we can actually do is love our opponents. I mean, Paul has already said that the gospel is spreading into the household of Caesar through the Praetorian guard who is guarding him into the household of Caesar because a a Roman soldier who is chained to him 24-7 sees Paul. Here's his joy. Here's him pray. And do you think Paul looked at the soldiers and said, Hey, you know, Claudius or whatever your name is, how can I pray for you? How, how can I be for you? How can I care for you? Even, even as a prisoner, right? And so I think as, as, he, as he does that, that bore pretty profound witness. We used to sing this uh, hymn when I was a kid in the little church I grew up in. Uh, we, we did some really funny things. I was thinking about this this week. We had vacation Bible school and we would march in. Emily, you can, we're never doing this here, but we would, we would march into, uh, vacation Bible school, uh, with the Christian flag. I don't even know exactly what that is. It, it, it's, it's, it's a thing with a cross on it and we would say the Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag, which kind of violates the Presbyterian view of worship, you know, you don't, you don't pledge allegiance to anybody but Jesus, so certainly not a, not a flag and not a symbol. Um, we'd also say the pledge of allegiance to the American flag, which is, is really interesting to do in church. Uh, but we would march in and we would sing this great hymn, Lead On, O King Eternal. Uh, and there's this verse that I, I, I just love, Lead On, O King Eternal, till sin's fierce war shall cease, and holiness shall whisper the sweet amen of peace, for not with swords loud clashing or roll of stirring drums, with deeds of love and mercy, the heavenly kingdom comes. The heavenly kingdom comes as we engage in conflict by loving uh, the people who would kill us, who would do away with our faith, who despise the truth of the gospel, right? Jesus said, love those who persecute you. And so the, the, the profound uh, thing that we have, the gift that suffering is to us, the joy that it is to us, spills out and bearing witness to the world. That's why whenever the church is persecuted, that's why wherever there are martyrs, the gospel continues on. That's a great thing for us to think about, a great thing for us to, 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 to meditate on. And so what I, I want to be quiet now and take a moment... Uh, for us to pray for Christians, brothers and sisters all over the world who today may be going to worship or may have been to worship and, and had to do it under fear, uh, uh, undercover, uh, not sure of what might happen as a result of that, of them worshiping together uh, before we, uh, we, we confess our sins. So join me uh, in prayer now as we pray for our brothers and sisters. Lord, uh, it is a profound thing to know that you use the suffering of your people to advance the kingdom in our lives and in the world. And so we pray uh, for our brothers and sisters around the world right now, all over, who are uh, facing uh, 
trial and difficulty, facing suffering, facing job loss, maybe even loss of life, because they are bearing witness to the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus, draw near to your people, encourage their hearts, give them a sense of your presence and your care for them. And Lord, I pray that you would use even their suffering as a a, a sweet uh, sacrifice uh, to draw others, even enemies of you, to yourself. Lord, you took this man, Paul, who was on his way to persecute the church. You converted him. And now he experiences persecution uh, himself in a way that uh, is bearing witness even further to the gospel he proclaims. So would you do that work in us and would you do that work uh, in our brothers and sisters around the world? We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So let's use this confession of sin uh, that's uh, printed uh, in the bulletin. Uh, Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, every day we are reminded that we fall short of your glory. You are strong. We are blown about by every whim. You call for justice. We play favorites and prefer our comfort. You are holy through and through. Our best efforts are marred by sin and cannot save us. Oh, how we need a Savior to ransom us from bondage to sin. Thank you for Jesus, our full atonement. Oh, how we need continued renewal in your image. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who convicts, sanctifies, and leads us into all truth. Forgive us our sins and lead us to rest in your grace. Amen. Christian, hear these words of encouragement. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Your warfare is ended. Your sins are pardoned. The penalty for your rebellion is paid.